Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Good. Well, turn to the person next to you. Give them a high five. Tell them it's nearly Christmas. It's nearly Christmas. Did you know that Christmas Day is only four weeks, four weeks and two days away? Some of us are freaking out. That is not long to prepare for Christmas Day. So here's some uh, helpful facts for you, just in case they come up in Christmas quizzes or, you know, cracker facts and all of that. So number one is, it has been calculated that Santa visits 822 homes a second to deliver all the world's presents on Christmas Eve, travelling at 650 miles a second. That is one speedy Santa, isn't it? Uh, Fact number two, uh, nearly six 60 million Christmas trees are grown each year in Europe. 60 million. And what happens then? They're cut down. 60 million Christmas trees are grown. Uh, Number three, before Turkey, the traditional Christmas meal in England was a pig's head and mustard. I'm glad tradition didn't change. I heard someone else say that. Uh, It did change even, uh, which is great. Uh, Fact number four, the word Noel derives from the French expression, les bonnes never les. Thank you, I tried. I'll stick to English, uh, which means the good news. There we go. It means the good news, which is fun. Who knew? It's on cards. We sing it. Noel, it means the good news. And then lastly, carols weren't sung in churches until they were introduced by St. Francis of Assisi in the 13th century. There you go. Christmas carols have been around for quite some time. Now, I really hope there wasn't a complete waste of time. Uh, so if you win a quiz, then, you know, and you learn your answers here, I'm happy to tell my cut in cash or check. Uh, please pass that on to me. Thank you. Uh, good. Well, we love Christmas, don't we? There are many reasons why we love Christmas. Uh, it might be spending quality time with each other. It might be the lights and the festive feel and the beautiful season. And did anyone go to the lights turning on in Romsey yesterday? It's all very exciting. It might be the food. I'm very excited about the food this year. Uh, eat as much as we can without being judged. Isn't that great? So good. Um, But we wanted to, at the beginning of the season, just uh, draw our attention to those who actually might find Christmas quite hard. Uh, Because we would be silly to pretend that Christmas is a great and jolly season for everyone uh, in this uh, time. So uh, can we agree, Freedom Church and visitors, that we'll look out for each other? Because some may find it lonely. Uh, Some may find it hard because of a loss of a family member or friend. Uh, But can we agree to look out for each other, uh, to to love one another, to be gentle with one another and to be sensitive? Is that okay? Good. Well, before we go any further, let's pray uh, together. Heavenly Father, we pray, God, for those who find this Christmas season really difficult. God, would they know that you're really close to them? And may this year be different because of what you can do in our lives. And Father, now we ask that you would teach us uh, as we take a look at your words and this beautiful carol. And God, would you fill us again with your spirit, spirit of truth, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. Well, it is my joy to begin our Christmas season series, uh, which is all about the carols we sing year in and year out. Now, on the Bible app, the Holy Bible app, the YouVersion version, uh, you can take a look on there. There's a 25-day daily devotion uh, exactly on this series, so you can take a look at that. Start it on the 1st of December, which is next Sunday, uh, or sometime this week. We'll put some more information out about it. But what a great way to prepare our hearts for celebrating Christmas. Now, I wonder what your favourite Christmas carol is. What's your favourite? There's Away in a Manger, there's Hark the Herald, there's Joy to the World. What's your favourite? Tell the person next to you, what is your favourite? What gets you going? What's, your, what's, what's the best one? What's your favourite Christmas carol? Some of you are saying none of them. <laughs> none, I don't like any of them. Uh, good. Well, if you chose, uh, there are many to choose from, many Christmas cows to choose from. But if you chose Oh Holy Night as your favourite, then you are certainly in for a treat because that is the one we're taking a look at today as we just sung together. Now, for those who like history, uh, here's some history about the song. It was written by a poet uh, called Placide Capua. Look at me go today. Ah. Uh, He was a non-Christian poet uh, who was asked by a priest to write a poem about the passage from Luke chapter 2, which is, of course, all about the birth of Jesus. And he liked it so much that he asked a friend of his to turn it into a song, to put music to it, which is, of course, the song that we just sung. And the song became famous, the church immediately connected with it, they loved it, and it spread to many, many others. And it became so famous that five decades after it was written, uh, later in 1906, when Reginald Fassenden, that one's a bit easier to say, isn't it? Reginald Fassenden, here he is, uh, the Canadian professor, he used uh, a, an Alexanderson alternator, and uh, a rotary spark gap transmitter to make the first, not second, not third, but the first ever radio audio broadcast. And that was on Christmas Eve in 1906. And what he did was he played Oh Holy Night on the violin. How amazing, how special. Beautiful and incredible history. Uh, And he also followed that by the passage uh, read out from Luke chapter 2. But not only is that impressive for this song to be the first ever song to be played on radio uh, airways, it's about this beautiful, oh holy night when Christ was born. That is quite special. But not only is this song about this oh holy night that Christ was born, but I believe it is actually a piece uh, that paints the picture of the wonderful Noel, the good news, the gospel, the Christian message, the very essence of our faith, the reason why Jesus came to earth uh, at all, all those years ago. Now, I wonder what you think of the manger scene. What do you think of when you see the nativity scene? Now, you might have pictured uh, after the birth, maybe the shepherds come and uh, in their nice shepherdly robes, uh, looking all nice and pristine and washed, and, which is, I don't know, it's maybe unlikely. Unlikely they, they may have looked like that. You might picture the scene with a pristine, untouched carpet of hay. Um, now, I haven't given birth yet. But I will do one day. 
and I'm pretty sure the floor will not be clean. So, hey, far-fetched, I don't know. But you might picture, you might picture a spotless, sleeping, beautiful-looking, a very good-looking Jesus in every picture that you have. Uh, why is he always good-looking? Some babies are not. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but the reality is, the reality of this scene looks very, very different. Because a teenage girl was made pregnant, not by a man, but by the Holy Spirit, which is a whole different conversation in itself, which we'll look at another time. But she had just traveled around 100 miles, probably on a donkey or a camel or a cart, we don't know for sure. But she was pregnant and she'd turned up at this place, she'd been checked into this labor ward that was probably more like a cave where the animals would go for shelter. Now, if you've ever been to a farm, <laughs> it's not quite your NHS maternity ward, is it? It's smelly, it's dirty, it's disgusting. And this is where she gave birth to Jesus. Reality sets the scene as unsterile. There was no access whatsoever to any medication. There would have been screaming and sweat and blood and matted hair, perhaps. It would have been a nightmare and it would have been absolute chaos for this teenage girl who had given birth to Jesus. And who knew? Joseph, he probably had no idea what he was doing, but was probably the only one with her, perhaps. It was chaos an absolute panic. But, however, the moment when the baby arrived, the chaos, the pain, perhaps not the mess, but the uncertainty was met with a holiness like no other. O holy night when Christ was born. And I'm sure that you would agree that life can seem very chaotic at times. The pain that we feel in this life can be really raw and real. The loss in this life can seem unbearable at times and the discomfort just terrible. But there's, if there's one thing that you can take away from today, apart from obviously the very helpful Christmas facts that you learned earlier, but the one thing, if there's one thing you take away from today, let it be this, that God offers us hope. In this world where chaos can seem mad, like madness, where this world can seem dark and uncertain, God offers us hope. The world in which we live can seem hopeless. The situation you find yourself in right now might seem impossible and the pain that we experience can just that, just seem unbearable. But there is hope. God offers us hope. Hope for a better life. Number one, for a better life here on earth. And number two, he offers us a hope for life after death. So let's take a look at that first one. God offers us hope for a better life here on earth. And we can experience this life that God offers us because he is a God who provides. He gives us everything we need. We have needs all the time, don't we? There is always, always a need. Just this week, uh, Jordan and I's boiler uh, started to work when we turned it off, which is a problem. It's, the, it's a nice problem to have, but it's still a problem. Our oven stopped working. There's noises being made in our, as we drive our car. There is always a need. There is always a need. 
And your stories might be the same. There's always a need. And they might be small and non-life-threatening you know, as ours are. But we know, don't we, that there are bigger needs that may be life-threatening and life-changing. But whatever the need is, whether it's big, whether it's small, God cares. And he promises to be our provider. He promises to give us what we need in Philippians chapter 4, Paul speaks to the church. He's writing a letter and he said, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 6, he's uh, talking to another church, writing another letter. And he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, did you notice in none of these uh, passages does God say, I will give you everything you want? And they can look sometimes very, very different to what we want and to what we need. But God gives us everything we need need and that may look very different it might look like uh, peace in the middle of a storm we often need peace don't we in the middle of the storm that we're in he never promises us that we'll never suffer I'm sorry if that's news to you but he doesn't promise that he's never promised that we will never suffer but he does promise us access to peace when we do many people sat in this room can testify Uh, that uh, God never promised us that we would never feel pain. But God does promise to give us peace through the storm. A peace that doesn't align with logic. A peace that doesn't make any sense. A peace that passes our understanding and is greater than uh, our comprehension. A peace that is greater. On earth, the life God offers us that we can have hope for can look like a whole ton of peace. As well, on earth, the life offers us can also look like joy in amongst a whole ton of sadness. Now, that may seem impossible to you. How can you be joyful and sad at the same time? Well, I believe in a God uh, of the God of, of the impossible. And so I believe that even when we are sad, God can still give us a joy, a joy that isn't like happiness, but a deep sense of joy, a deep confidence uh, a deep uh, understanding of his love and his goodness and uh, a rock in order for us to stand on. God never promises us that we will never experience sadness or loss. He doesn't promise that. Life throws in lots of things. We all know that. He never promised us an easy life. But he does promise us full access to a deep joy, a faithful security that only which God can give us. A friend of mine overheard me uh, pray for a friend of mine who was sick uh, a little while ago. And, uh, and she overheard me pray. And I, I prayed, uh, I started the prayer as I always do. And I just know how to. Um, I started with thanks. I said, God, thank you for this life, for this, for this person uh, that you've created. And, and she just, she pulled me aside at the end and said, I don't get it. How can you thank God for something 
when something is so bad and, and sick? How can it be so full of joy when something so horrible is happening for this person and in this person's life? And it's a great question, and, uh, and I told her that. And I said, well, I'm, I'm only going to answer the way that I know how to. And that is because I have to believe that my God is bigger than my understanding. He's greater than my comprehension. And I don't understand all the time what God is doing. But I do trust that he does know. And I trust, and that, you know, that's what faith is. I said, I said, I have faith in this God that is bigger. And that's what this Christian faith is all about, is trusting that God knows what he's doing, even though I don't always understand. God offers us hope for this life here and now because he's always willing to give us what we need. But that might just look a little different to what we might think. But not only does he offer us hope for a better life here on earth, but number two, he also offers us uh, a hope for life after death. Life after death. What do you think happens when we die? Do we go somewhere else? Do we become something else and the whole karma thing? Do, do we believe that we, we, we do nothing, we just dissolve and that's the end of it? Well, you know, most of us in this room would come under the category that we believe in a God who gives life after death. And those who believe in Jesus and declare that he is Lord uh, will give us life eternal. Eternity with him. Now what that looks like, oh my goodness, I can't even think of what eternity might feel like, but I'm really excited for it <laughs> because we get to see Jesus face to face one day. And those who declare that Jesus is Lord and surrenders to him like uh, Mia did and Harry did uh, this morning, we will see Jesus face to face because we believe that he's given us hope for life after death. And I love this carol, O Holy Night, because it, it refers to uh, this life after death that God gives us. It talks of a new and glorious morning. It refers to the soul being acknowledged uh, and feeling its worth and finding new hope because of the arrival of this Jesus character. The lyrics say, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope and weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. There is hope for this world that the end that seems like the end isn't and that is something for us to look forward to that life after death is real and is available for each one of us all we have to do is declare that Jesus is Lord give our lives to him and the gift of life is ours now I find it impossible really to talk about Christmas without talking about Easter because yes, Jesus came, he was born of Mary and that whole nativity scene, it's brilliant and wonderful and we celebrate it. But he didn't just come for the sake of it. He didn't just come because we could have a holiday or a jolly. He came because he had a rescue plan. Uh, in the song it said, long lay the world in sin and error pining because we were in trouble. That moment when Adam and Eve ate that fruit from the tree that God told them not to because it would bring death, funnily enough, brought death, which meant they were separated from God. God is so holy and we became so sinful. And so there needed to be something to bridge the gap and to bring us back together, which is why Jesus came to earth. But he came. 
in order to, years later, die on the cross for our sins. He made what was wrong right. He made what was wrong very right for those who accept his love and grace. On that holy night when Christ was born, the one we'd been waiting for had finally arrived to die on the cross years later and to come back to life three days later. And so this Noel, this good news, this Christian message, this gospel message is what Christmas is all about. That you were worth dying for. You and I were worth dying for. You were worth dying for. Oh, holy night when Christ was born. In John 10, uh, it's recorded that Jesus tells his disciples about this imagery that he talks about of being a shepherd and the gate. And this is what he says, very truly I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came on that oh holy night to bring us life. A hope for a life here on earth and a hope for life after death. So no longer do you need to be afraid. No longer do you need to feel shamed, ashamed and condemned because Jesus has dealt with it. And as the famous hymn Amazing Grace says, I once was lost. But now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Now, some of you may have heard of uh, the four points, which are the symbols uh, written on my chest here. And, uh, uh, and they just sum up beautifully, really, what we've been talking about today. So if you turn your heads to the screen, um, uh, it will explain each one of the points uh, clearly. The Four Points is a really simple overview of the Bible and the first thing that you need to know is that God loves you. He's crazy about you. His love for you is unlimited and unconditional. That means there's nothing that you can do to make God love you any more or less than he does right now. Not only does God love you, he has an amazing plan and purpose for your life. That's why he's desperate to have a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to miss out on the incredible future that he has for you. There is nothing that God wants more than to love and be loved by you. Sadly, we've been separated from God's amazing love by something the Bible calls sin. Simply put, sin is when we choose to live for ourselves rather than God. We sin when we ignore God, we break his laws and basically do things our own way. Sin destroys relationships with friends, with family and with God. So instead of living the incredible life that God intended, the Bible says that sin has brought misery, pain and ultimately death. The third point is probably one of the most well-known facts in the history of mankind. What's important to realise is the penalty for sin is death, separation from God, both now and forever. The Bible says we've all sinned and we all deserve to die. But God, who is full of mercy, loved you so much that he sent Jesus to come and die in your place. 
When Jesus died, he made a way for us to spend eternity with God. You see, not only did Jesus die for our sin, three days later, he rose again from the dead. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus has defeated sin and death and made a way for us to have a brand new life in relationship with God. All we need to do is accept that we've sinned, ask for God's forgiveness, put our faith in Jesus and decide to live the rest of our lives only for him. The choice is yours. So those are the four points. Um, I've always found them really helpful uh, just to explain what um, the Christian faith sometimes can seem so complicated, but really at the essence of it, it really is quite simple. God loved the world so much that he sent his son to die so that those who believe in him uh, will not die, but have eternal life. And so I love how he he ends that. Um, The choice is yours. Uh, So the challenge to us is, well, how do we respond? How do we respond to this oh holy night when Christ was born? That he came, not for the sake of it, but to come and die and to rise again, to come back to life three days later. And the the carol finishes uh, the chorus, uh, fall on your knees. And maybe that's our response, to simply fall on our knees and to say, wow, thank you. Thank you, God, for what you've done. You may have heard uh, this, uh, what you've heard today and decided, actually, I, I don't want to do anything with it. Uh, I'm quite happy uh, with the way things are. Uh, to you, you might have heard the news and decided, perhaps, I think I do want to explore more uh, and to explore further. And we can help you with that. Uh, if you'd like to, uh, just uh, get in touch and we can point you in the right direction. Uh, and it might be that you actually do want to commit yourself to, to Christ and to go, well, I, I, I heard, uh, I think I believe, uh, and I want to go for it. Uh, and if you want to do that, then there is always space and time uh, for you to do that as well. Uh, and then for those uh, of us who uh, believe in God already, it might just be that, as I said, to fall on our knees, to be thankful and to be grateful for all that God has done. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.